What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. When Austin Rivers hit back-to-back threes with three minutes and 49 seconds left in the fourth quarter to stretch a two-point Denver lead to eight, the game felt over. Denver had grabbed a 2-1 series lead, and the final four minutes were going to be a scramble and a miracle for the Blazers to come back. And all the Blazers' hard work felt like it had just evaporated in that moment as Austin Rivers smacked his chest and told Jermichael Green to jump up so they could do that little shoulder jump thing that athletes do when they're excited. That is the moment it felt over. It's the moment that Denver seemed to have won Game 3 taken a 2-1 series lead, rest back control of the series behind a monster Nikola Jokic night and a hot shooting night from all of their, pretty much everyone on the roster. But I don't think that's when the Blazers lost this game. Not when Austin Rivers hit a three from the right-hand corner, not when Austin Rivers hit a three from the left wing. Those were the the final blows to, to uh, a ship that had been looking like it was off course all night for the Blazers. That was the one that sunk them. Or the two that sunk them, I guess. But the Blazers lost this game with five minutes and three seconds left in the first quarter. Yeah, you probably know what I'm talking about if you watch game three that ended in Moda Center on Thursday evening, 121-15 in favor of the Denver Nuggets. You probably know what happened at 5.03 left in the first quarter. That's when Terry Stotts subbed Ennis Cantor into the game a little bit early, and the Blazers, who had had really started out strong in in game three, had a really strong offensive showing and held a six-point lead, coughed up all of it, and trailed for the rest of the game, failing to tie the score until the fourth quarter. And they tied it 94-all, and then Austin Rivers made sure that it never was tied again. So that's what we're going to do in this episode. I want to talk about these five minutes that change the game, change the series, and perhaps cost people their jobs. There are a lot of ramifications to sort of build on. We're going to talk all about Game 3 in this episode, all of the things that happened, the good and the bad, but I kind of want to base them around this moment because I really do think the crucial stretch was an early substitution taking Yusuf Nurkic out and bringing Ennis Cantor in. Let's start there with the nuts and bolts and then we will build out from there on a comprehensive dive into what happened in Game 3 and why the Blazers find themselves down 2-1 heading into Saturday's Game 4 that will likely decide if the Blazers' season is can be extended. Let's begin with kind of my basic logic around this. Uh, there is a certain sort of commentary at Twitter, Twitterati, who, who just blames everything that the Blazers do wrong on Terry Stotts. It's everything is Terry Stotts' fault. Dame has a bad shooting night. Why didn't Terry help Dame score more? Uh, you know, uh, Anthony Simons doesn't get to a loose ball. You know, why doesn't Stotts coach him harder so he gets to a loose ball? Kind of some nonsense stuff that I, I, I drives me a little crazy. But the thing that I am critical of NBA coaches with and the thing that I've said a million times in this podcast, and I'll say it here right now for you, the most important thing an NBA coach does and the most impactful thing an NBA coach does, and then sometimes the only freaking thing an NBA coach does is decide who plays and when. And Terry Stotts' decision to put Ennis Cantor in early cost the Blazers this game. It was the crucial turning point in this game. Crunch time always matters. Austin Rivers' threes matter. They're, they were huge buckets. But the game the game turned because the Blazers gave up a 14-0 run from the 5-0-3 mark of the first quarter to the 1-13 mark of the first quarter. Ennis Cantor checks in. They give up 14 straight points. 
So while I have used this podcast space often to push back against criticism of the coaching staff because I think it's misplaced or misguided or, or just fundamentally misunderstands how coaching works in the league. This is not one of those cases. This was a mistake that cost the Blazers the game and the person who did it was the head coach because that's who makes the substitutions. Putting the wrong people on the floor is the job and this is what Terry did and it, and it was and it was a crucial mistake. But I want to say this. I kind of, while I don't agree with it, I kind of get the logic. Uh, the Blazers have some limitations, and one of those limitations is that they don't have a bunch of good, a bunch of front, big, burly frontline options. And the their one that they do, the best player that they have at that position, Yusuf Nurkic, who was really, really, really freaking good in this game. He had a, just a, a first half where you just you got to see all of the special things about Nurk: uh, the intensity, the passing, the physicality. Um, Everything, everything that was everything that makes Nurk good was showed up in the second quarter when the Blazers were down and they needed to battle back. Nurk was there, intense and smart, and all the things you want him to be as a playmaker, as a defender. Uh, he was really, really good. But he also is prone to um, making some stupid fouls, some bad decisions, kind of just just little split second stupid moments where he's just he he gets a little bit out, um, you know, too aggressive there or or a step slow and then he reaches, you know, either either going too going too early or going too late, uh frustrated and grabs someone, you know, wants to, you know, he just he he's not always like super locked in for every single minute in terms of like good decision making. He makes a couple bad decisions, he gets fouls. He also has a stamina issue. I don't think you can play Yusuf Nurkic 40 minutes. Uh, th that seems reasonable to me. Uh, not ideal. You'd wish that you could. You just ramp him up to 40 minutes in the playoffs and you get a really great 40 minutes out of him, but you won't. Um, so you kind of got to pick and choose what's, where you use him. And I think that was the logic we got with Yusuf Nurkic was that Terry wanted to say, Let's get him out a little bit early. Let's get Ennis in. Get Ennis in when he's on Jokic before they go to that small ball unit. We'll we'll buy some time. We'll put uh we'll we will put Ennis in without Carmelo Anthony. We'll keep him in there with Robert Covington and Dame, and then like have have you know a little bit better defense around him. The better our better defensive group around him, not that uh, porous porous bench unit around him. So in a lot of ways, I follow the logic. Uh, can't run up Nurk's minutes too much because then you won't get the best Nurk and you want to get the best Nurk in the second half. Can't leave Nurk out there too, too long because he's prone to pick up fouls. He ended up fouling out of this game, which was a, a crucial turning point. Uh, Nurk fouled out with five minutes and 17 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The Blazers were in it and then they just, you know, they don't have many options behind him. So all that said, like I can kind of walk through Terry's logic. I can see the thinking. I don't agree with it though. And when... Cantor got in the game. He's been cooked by Jokic all throughout this series and nothing changed in game three. The Blazers, uh, just they, their offense totally stagnated with, without that other playmaker on the floor and, and, uh, in Yusuf Nurkic, the, the advantages that, that Cantor gives them as a post player and as a rebounder, they're really negated by how big and strong and smart Jokic is. Like he's just, he, Cantor can't take advantage of him. This is a, this is the can't play Cantor moment and it happened here. And in that five minute stretch, the Blazers were outscored by 14. They went from up 26-20 to, to down 34-26. That was it. That was the difference in the game. That moment, those, those five minutes, 
Afterwards, Terry Stotts was incredibly resistant when asked about it. Um, he was, you know, he's always defensive. I don't like to dig into too much of his quotes because I even talked to him pregame and he gave me a terrible quote about something innocuous. But he knew it. Like, you, he knew that he screwed up and he was um, defensive about it in a frustrating way as a member of the press. Like, he didn't dig into sort of the logic and why he did things. Like, he just sucked. He, was, he's, he just did a poor job answering the question. But I think those five minutes defined the game. What I want to talk about in the second segment is the solutions to those five minutes because we saw it in the rest of the game. We saw some solutions. And the Blazers, for their flaws, that was the that, that stretch defined the game. That stretch decided the game. That was where they lost it. They're up, and then they find themselves down eight, and then they're playing they're playing catch-up for the rest of the game. They're just they're just having to a team that they're relatively close with they just get, they just gifted them 14 points in 5 minutes and then you know the blazers aren't like so much better than the nuggets that they're going to go on this huge run there it's and there's some other limitations that we'll talk about in the second segment too of like sort of um why they weren't able to pull all the way back but but this was it this stretch 4 minutes in the first quarter it defined it it quite quite possibly may have cost the Blazers this season. And we saw after that moment that Terry decided uh, <laughs> it took him even longer than you than you would want because boy howdy is he stubborn, but he decided to go in a different direction. So in the second segment, I want to talk about that different direction. What what has what has now that we kind of have established that can't play canter is a real thing, what are the Blazers going to freaking do about it? But before we get there, let's talk about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. Comes in nine delicious flavors like salted caramel, double chocolate, my personal favorite peanut butter brownie, or if you're into the fruit flavors, things like cherry and raspberry. If you want to find out what your favorite flavor is, I think the best way to do that is to order a mixed box. Uh, you can get two of each of the nine flavors they have, but they also occasionally at BillBar.com have some limited time flavors. So make sure you're checking the website, find out what's around for a short time, and you can mix and match, create a box of 18 bars that are going to give you enough variety so you can figure out what you like, figure out what your family likes, and then order more from there. Uh, these bars are delicious. They, they taste like candy bars. They got that candy bar-like texture. Uh, all of them are covered in 100% chocolate. They're just, they're great. I've been telling you about them for a long time. Many of uh, my listeners have told me they've went, even gone out and, and bought their own and have enjoyed them a whole bunch. My family here loves them. <laughs> Unsolicited praise from uh, from my wife and a few friends who've come over and tried them in, in recent weeks. So go get yourself some. Delicious and nutritious. Uh, all of them have at least 17 grams of protein and five net grams, five grams of net carbs or less so go get yourself some like i said locks 15 is the promo code enter that at builtbar.com for 15 percent off that's builtbar.com the promo code is locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your first order all right so we talked about the crucial moment for the blazers in this game the five minutes that defined the four minutes really that defined the blazers the whole season, perhaps, certainly defined game three. And because they lost game three and now put themselves in trouble, you know, the dominoes start falling and might end up defining their season. We kind of talked about like the logic that the coaching staff got there with. And I, I, I kind of, while I don't agree with it at all, 
I can see how you landed there. Like, I can see the logic that landed you there. Here's the problem, though. In this exact space, multiple times this week, I have pitched the idea of going away from this, of going small, and specifically trying Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at center. I've been saying Derek Jones Jr., Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, although Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is better at, as the backup center or as a small ball center because of his strength. Uh, he's a real zero on offense. But Cantor is a production guy. He's a production guy. That means if he's not producing, he's not doing much else. And he's been bad on offense. He's always pretty much a negative on defense, but he provides like an elite level of offense. He's been totally negated. Um, he just he just is not any good in this series. Like it's a terrible matchup. And Terry Stotts finally figured it out. But he figured it out too late. And he figured it out too late in a way that may, may define what happens to him. May define his fate. I didn't want to say that because it was going to rhyme. And I realized I was rhyming. I got caught up in it. But I'll just say that. It's it, this, you know, if, if Terry Stotts loses his job because the Blazers lose this series, which seems like a logical next step, this four-minute stretch where he went to Cantor when, when a podcaster in his basement has been yelling about the change, and many other people, people wrote in about it. Uh, in the mailbag episode that I recorded this week, several of you mentioned it. I think there were two two separate questions that pitched the same idea, and maybe even a third that's, that went another direction saying, like, hey, go, the Blazers should go small or the Blazers can't play Cantor. And that's the thing. Terry still didn't get it. He, the, um, he eventually got it. But in the third quarter, he went back to Ennis Cantor. The Blazers are down five. And what does Cantor do? He immediately uh, gets beat for an offensive rebound and commits a foul. It was a flagrant foul, kind of a weak flagrant foul, but letter of the law, hit him in the face. That's kind of just how it works in the NBA. It's it's a whack call, but I think it's like literally the rule. So whatever. And then, and then. And then, after getting beat for the offensive rebound, I, the Blazers did a three on when Cantor was in the game, so that helped his plus-minus, baby. But uh, then they went down. He didn't touch the ball in that possession. They went down on defense, and he, he got beat for a rebound, then committed a flagrant foul on the putback. And then, and then, not the four-minute stretch where he gave up a 14-0 run, when it was so obvious that it was no good. It was so clear it was no good. Not then did Terry Stotts make the move. But until after that, when Cantor... Uh, Made a got beat on the glass and then committed a, a just a bad foul after getting beat on the glass. Then he decided to make a change, and this is the type of thing that you should criticize Terry Stotts for. Not some sort of like, um, I, I like I. There's a lot of dumb things people criticize Stotts for. We won't get into it now. There's a lot of things that I think just like aren't aren't what's wrong with with him as a coach. This is the type of thing that he's wrong with. He's he's slow to make this type of change. He he's he's. It's not that he won't make adjustments. It's that he's a, he's two beats slow on stuff like this. And this is this was an obvious one we all saw coming, and he didn't go to it. And then he went to Ronda Hollis Jefferson, and he was pretty good, and the Blazers stayed in the game. So I think there's a lot of stuff at play here with the can't play canter stuff. One, Nurk was so friggin' good in this game, like I mentioned in the first segment, but you only get so much out of him. Two, Nikola Jokic is gigantic, as happened on the final possession of the game after the Blazers made a mad scramble to come back. A mad scramble to come back uh, after trailing by eight with, you know, three minutes left and then eight again with about two minutes left. They started hitting threes. They started making plays. Monty Morris steps to the line, a three-point game. Blazers are out of timeouts, misses both free throws. Nikola Jokic is gigantic, tips the ball in, and the, and the Nuggets win. Nuggets were way better, way more than five points better, but the, the Blazers were right there. But 
the Blazers just don't have a lot of solutions because of that size and that strength and that skill level from Jokic. He's awesome. And so it has to be Nurk. And then when it's not Nurk, it has to be Ronda Hellas Jefferson. And this was obvious and Terry screwed it up. Here's the solution. And this is, you know, sort of me. I humbly offer this from around midnight from my basement as I'm recording this after the game. Match Jokic's minutes with Yusuf Nurkic. Every minute he's on the court. If you lose because Nurk fouls out or because he runs out of gas, so be it. But you've got to trust Nurk and you've got to tell Nurk you trust him to play every minute slowing down the MVP as best he can. Now, Jokic is still going to feast. Like, he's still going to go nuts and go off, and he's going to torch Nurk a couple times, and it's going to be frustrating. But that's your only chance. Down the stretch of this game, once Nurk fouled out, they put Carmelo Anthony on him. And actually, three possessions that Anthony guarded him, uh, twice Jokic missed shots that he'd made early in the game. Another time, he passed out of it. Uh, So if you're looking at the stats, Melo. Did not get scored on dominant defensive performance, but that's not sustainable. And then down the stretch of the game, they put Robert Covington on him, and that's just not going to work. He's too small and not strong. He's too small, not strong enough, all those things. You could put Rondé Hollis Jefferson in there, but then you're putting a, a like a non-offensive player in there. And, and Hollis Jefferson isn't like it's so much stronger than Rocco that it's going to make a difference. And Cantor's unplayable. So what do you do? Do you play Harry Giles? I mean, I don't think Stotts will, but the Blazer, this, some of the issue here is now a roster problem. And that's why it's like sort of holistic, right? It's like all of these things. It's, it's Stas screwed it up big time. And then he, but then you look down the bench and like Cantor was, it was at one point seemingly a reasonable solution when you look at the rest of the roster. And now it seems like there isn't one. It's just Nurk playing every single minute that Jokic is on the floor. And can Nurk do that? Can he stay out of foul trouble? Can he, does he have the stamina to be, I don't think he's going to like be too tired. He's just going to be too tired to be good. It's like, in the final seven minutes, if he's still on the, you know, he's matched Jokic, you know, whatever minute for minute, is are you getting good Nurk or are you getting a, you know, sloppy Nurk? Or, or is he going to foul out then because he's tired and when you're tired, you foul. Tired, you turn the ball over, stuff like that. Like that's that's the stamina thing I'm worried about is just like, do you, do you, if you play Nurk 39 minutes, do you only actually get 31 good minutes of Nurk and then eight really bad minutes of Nurk? You can make the case that eight bad minutes of Nurk doesn't matter because it's four bad minutes of Cantor cost them the game. And I think that's that's where I've landed. You nerk matches every minute, and then you go small, and it's Rondé Hollis Jefferson. And I like Jefferson personally more than Derek Jones Jr. in that role because of the strength. And I think I've mentioned this a bunch on the podcast. I think a lot of other people prefer Derek Jones Jr. and like, you know, to each their own, but that's 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 not it for me. And for all these problems, for all of these problems, for for the for the total canter blunder by Stotts that he then weirdly stuck with in the second half, stubbornly, and then kind of was like forced into when when Cantor gave him the sign was like, yo, coach, I'm really not capable of this. The Blazers were still in this game because they got to the into the paint just at will. It, it just just absolutely got downhill, got to the rim. Uh, We're really, really good getting inside and attacking. Here's the problem, though. They were really, really bad from three. The Nuggets shot incredibly well. Um, 20 of 38 from three-point line, a season-high 23-pointers from the Denver Nuggets. They're most they've had in any game this year. 52.6% from three. Uh, 
Rivers' two threes obviously crucial, and then hit a, a third in the fourth quarter with just absolutely monster buckets. Uh, Jokic started four of five from three. Compazzo hit two threes. Uh, Aaron Gordon dribbled into the into a three in the first quarter. That was just a bonkers shot. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. quiet, not like just not a great game, but he still hit hit three threes. Uh, and they got they got you know, points off the bench. Almost everyone that came in the game for the Blazers hit, a th- or for the Nuggets hit a three-pointer. Paul Millsap hit one. Jermichael Green hit one in the first half. Uh, Monte Morris hit one. Marcus Howard hit one in his brief cameo in the first half. Uh, you know, it's just, some of it is bad luck. Some of it is just bad shooting luck. Um, you know, the they they kept the, they, they crushed the Denver in the paint. Like they, they deeply outscored them. Uh, Blazers had 54 points in the paint, plus 24 to, to the Denver's 30, right? Plus 24 in the paint. The Blazers never do that. They're a bad paint team, but to do that plus 24 in the paint, is like a, a real serious thing. And they actually only ended up losing the three point line, but plus they six fewer threes. They were plus 18, uh, or, or excuse me, minus 18 from three. So like you, you, you kind of, I mean, it's not the same thing cause that's not how math works, but like even with a crazy shooting night and even with a terrible shooting night from the Blazers, uh, uh, Norm hit a couple threes, but he airballed, he airballed a good look and missed another one early in the third quarter. Uh, Covington missed both his three pointers and Dame and CJ combined to shoot eight of 26 from three. Even with all those things, the Blazers were still in it. The coach screwed up, the Nuggets hit everything, and the Blazers couldn't buy a basket from deep. And even with all those things, they're still in it. That's why I think there's some reasons for optimism. Um, I think this was a, was a bad loss. Like, I think this was a bad loss that falls pretty squarely on the lap of the head coach. Uh, but you know, players play and if it, I don't think the Blazers can win a lot of games if Dame goes five of 16 from three, but I'll say this, if he shot seven of 16 from three, that's like a crazy above average night. And you're really talking, that's, you know, 44% from three. You're talking, you're talking about two missed shots. Talking about Dame hitting two different shots. And that's really the, the margin for error here. But the margin for error here is really the four minutes that's, that they blew it in the first quarter, right? Like, um, you know, if they don't blow it in the first quarter, you don't need those two shots. Like, it just, it's, it all piles on top of each other. And all those, like, the, the, the three-point line and the canter minutes are the story of this game. So... Let's close out the show with a couple uh, a couple odds and ends from my notebook. I attended this game at Moda Center, my first game uh, back on press row since March of 2020, pre-pandemic, pre-Rudy Gobert day. Uh, so I, I want to just, I, I want to close up some closing thoughts about game three, uh, but I, I wanted to just hit you in the first two segments with what I thought were the two most crucial things. It's like I the canter stuff and then the solutions to the canter stuff are going to define the rest of this series. And this game changed on the three-point line like it, it just without a doubt it changed at the three-point line but a couple other um I'll, I'll close out the show here in the third segment with a couple other shot thoughts on what i saw in this game what i you know a couple other odds and ends and some and some things i saw in my first game back in the building but before we get there let's talk about betonline.ag it's simply the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action we got baseball in full se- in full early season swing. We got WNBA ramping up its regular season schedule. The NBA and the NHL are fully in the postseason mode. And if you're looking for other stuff, well, 
BetOnline's got that too, like horse racing, UFC, MMA. Or if you don't want to bet on sports, you can bet on reality TV outcomes or award shows. You name it, they got it. Covered by real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the game. Head on over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com, the family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Look, if if you are looking for it, the good folks at rockauto.com got it. So that could be engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And you can get all of that in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. You don't have to deal with the struggle of going to a brick and mortar shop where, uh, they might not have everything you want because it's a literal physical building, not a, not a website with a massive catalog. And because you're going to be searching aisles and asking experts, hey, do you have this for my Subaru Outback? Oh, what year? Oh, no, we don't carry that. That's pre-2012. Sorry. All of the problems. Plus, there might be a section specifically for mechanics that you, the layperson, can't even go to. So skip that nonsense, get cheaper parts, go to rockauto.com, use their unique and remarkably easy to navigate catalog, and get the best prices that you will find for auto and body parts for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond, still listen to Locked On Blazers. We talked about can we talked about the truth. You can't play canter. Took Terry Stotts too long to learn the lesson, but hopefully he's learned it by now. We talked about the solutions. Nurk's got to match Jokic's minutes. You got to go small in the other minutes. It was kind of the obvious solution after game two. Hopefully the coaching staff figured it out after game three, a game that they they didn't have to lose this way, but they did. They also got, some, there was some shooting luck involved in this game. Uh, I haven't rewatched it. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you like post evening in the post game. I haven't, I haven't rewatched the game. I typically do in the playoffs rewatch these games. And so I have a sort of a better sense and um, don't talk out my ass because sometimes you think you see stuff live and it changes for sure on rewatch, particularly when you're, when you're in the gym, it's very different than watching it on TV. And I was in the gym for this one. This was um, a real treat for me to be back on press row. Look, I, I love basketball and I love, I love, be, I love being in the arena. I love the juice from the arena. 8,000 fans. Um, it was, it was cool to see that crowd. I will say this after things kind of got out of hand and the Blazers never, they never retook the lead after the first quarter. There was never a moment, um, what they call on TV, a hot timeout. There was never a moment where the Blazers, you know, took the lead, hit a big shot and the Nuggets had to take a frustration timeout and the Blazers had the lead and the gym was like absolutely rocking. Um, part of uh, the Blazers, you know, lost in some ways that home court advantage when they lost those four minutes, when they gave away those that 14 point lead in four minutes. Um, that's it was it's it it had a it had an impact in a lot of different ripple, like a lot of different ripples, like there just wasn't juice in the arena. But I will say some other things that I that I noticed while I was in there was um, sort of right before tip off, uh, the guys kind of the the Blazers players kind of like got the crowd hyped up and there was a few more times when throughout the game when 
you could see guys for the first time being able to lean on a real crowd. You know, it's a little different with like, uh, you know, whatever they had, 1,900 people versus 8,000. It's a it's a substantially more pe- more folks. You know, when Yusuf Nurkic got called for a charge and then they reviewed it and they confirmed it was a charge. Kind of a dicey call, but, <laughs> um, you know, that's it happens. Uh, we'll talk about fouls here in a second. Uh, you know, he pu- he. Pu- pumped up the crowd to to cheer refs you suck Uh, they were cheering refs you suck and there's nurk you know putting his hand to his ear and 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 and, uh, egging him on so uh i you know it was fun to be back and see those sort of little moments that maybe you miss on the broadcast uh also just like the physicality of the game that you miss on the broadcast like being up close in the gym the boy is there a boy is there a lot of physicality allowed in the paint in the nba in a way that there is almost zero physicality allowed outside of the paint in the nba it is uh they've got themselves a weird league in terms of where the rules are um it's it's certainly um it's it's really noticeable when you're paying close attention to it and uh sort of off the ball and when you're in the arena but beyond sort of just like my, th- those are just like sort of press row observations and stuff. Uh, they, it's, it's very different than what I'm used to. So it was kind of like a, in a way, novel for me to be back there. It was not the, the press setup. Like, I don't know if you care, but the press setup is just different than it used to be um, in so many different ways. Cause life is different than it used to be in so many ways, which is <laughs> whack. And I'm ready to not have it be like that, but that's the case. Um, some other sort of, uh, oh, a couple other things that are in my notebook. I don't want to pass these up. Uh, we've got to the point in the series where everybody knows everybody's plays, which I really, really love. Um, there was a play early in the game where the Nuggets called something and the entire uh, Blazers bench like pointed left, like they're going left. And sure enough, the action went left. Uh, the Blazers ended up getting a stop out of it, but it's like those little recognition things. There was another one where the Blazers called something and the Nuggets whole bench hopped up and they said like, they're, they're going here, like they're going set a screen heading this way um you know watch it and like uh, malone was pulling guys up a little higher to to handle with the screen like bo- like before the action got going i love this part of the playoff um like series when you just there's just no secrets anymore um there's still fuck-ups like the coach might put the wrong dude in there and cost you the game but uh there's no secrets like everybody knows what everyone's running and now you just kind of got to go do it sometimes when everyone knows what everyone's running it it'll it'll be sort of like on you know, shooting luck might define a game. I think that was part of it. Like, I think the three-pointers were part of it. I also think the Blazers, um, while fouls were about even, uh, the the Blazers just didn't get to the free throw line very much. Dame complained about it in the in his po- his post game press conference. I don't really want to d- delve too much into that. That's like that's for other folks. Uh, I I think the Blazers got. I think the Blazers were pretty physical and handsy with Jokic, and they and they got those calls. And I think there were some whistles they could have gotten on the other end. But I don't think this was like wholly unfair conspiracy type shit i think this was just like uh the blazers got the blazers got a handful of bad whistles and they also just made some dumb fouls and the nuggets were in the got in the penalty early and the blazers after the penalty got some made some stupid fouls so it's like you get some you get a couple bad fouls and you commit some stupid fouls and those come together and 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 the nuggets just shot too many free throws but the way the blazers dominated the paint like 80 like uh excuse me 84 54 paint points and only 13 free throws like that's you know, Dame only taking two free throws. He's, um, look for Dame to take like 10 or 12 in game four. Uh, he got downhill a bunch in this game. Like he shot a bunch of threes for sure. Uh, you know, more than half his shots were threes, but that's how he does it. And that's how, that's good basketball. Don't tell the, uh, beat writer of the Oregonian who hates three pointers with all his heart. But, um, 
it's like he he probably deserved more free throw attempts than he more free throw trips than he got. Um, it's bad news whenever CJ gets more free throw attempts than Dame because CJ is a low free throw guy. Which brings me to my CJ thing. When the Blazers were good, like a good playoff team in 2019, right? CJ was awesome. They need that guy. I don't even think he was that bad in this game. Like, it wasn't good. He wasn't good. I'm not trying to, like, excuse him and be like, CJ was actually good if you look close. Like, I'm not trying to say that shit at all. He got cooked by Austin Rivers a little bit. He, um, he you know, scored 22 points on 20 shots. That's just not enough. Um, he's, like, they need him to be really, really, really good. Uh, they don't need him to be pretty good. They don't need him to be like uh, average. They need the CJ that played the first 13 games of the season or first 11 games of the season. They need that guy. They need that guy. They, you know, the guy who roasted the Denver Nuggets in the 2019 playoffs. They need that guy. 37 in game seven on the road to beat Denver. They need that guy. I don't want to dig in too much to this. Um, I thought there were a couple times CJ could have gotten downhill and he chose to pull up. I thought there was times that CJ missed shots he could make. I thought there were times that he rushed some um, three pointers like, but I don't, there's no, we don't need to like comb through all 12 of his misses or whatever they just need him to be better i don't think they're, they can't win the series if he's not better um that's just that like where where is he at that like that's like kind of why i say like the coaching thing is a little um sometimes it can be like misplaced like you might look around and be like can't stots get cj into better spots like i from what I saw, CJ got to the same spots he always gets to, and he just hasn't been scoring. And then on the other end, Stotts can't guard Austin Rivers. <laughs> that, has, that has to be CJ's responsibility. Uh, you got He just he can't get outplayed by Austin Rivers. That like that's Austin Rivers goes seven of fourteen with twenty one points, four boards, and two assists, and CJ goes eight of twenty. Nine rebounds, three assists, 22 points. Like, it's just, he can't get canceled out or, or have a little bit worse game. Like, Jokic is going to go nuts. Dame is going to have a, have a big game. A little bit inefficient in this game, but he's going to have a big game. You can figure that those, like, sort of production-wise, those guys are going to cancel each other out. The Nuggets don't necessarily, like, Michael Porter Jr. just hasn't stepped into that role of being, like, ace number two. They're beating the Blazers with depth. Uh, the Blazers didn't get much off the bench. Anthony Simons is just, he had one good game and he just hasn't gotten back. I don't know if he, the physicality of this series might just be too much for him. And his has been a total dud on, uh, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson. Even if you play him a bunch and he plays well, he's not going to do shit on offense. He's not good at it. Um, so like the, the, the Nuggets have more options for production with Millsap and, and, and Monte Morris and Jermichael Green, but like they just have more balance. Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, and and Compazzo have been better than than the the uh, Blazers supporting parts. This was the best Norm game we've seen this year or this year this series. Uh, he still missed some makeable threes. Like he's he missed he missed for, by my count like two just wide the hell open threes of his four missed threes. Went two for six from deep. Like that needs to happen. But like the real key is CJ. Like the real key is CJ. I think I think we kind of we've walked through all of the things in my notebook here to, to, to sort of unpack game three, like the canter thing was a problem and, and Stott screwed it up. They've, they've identified a solution. It's going to be Ronnie Hollis Jefferson. And it's going to be can Nurk play more. And some of this was just, some of this was just the imbalance of a, of a game. It's like the nuggets made their threes. The Blazers missed theirs. That'll happen. Um, the Blazers made a furious comeback, but it didn't matter. And they spoiled two really good quarters in the middle of this game where they gave up 45 combined points in the second and third quarter. 
The offense has to be better. The Blazers did not give up a field goal in the final seven minutes of the third quarter, and they did not ever get the lead back. Like, it's everything. The defense wasn't timely enough, but it was good enough in this game to win, absolutely. The offense wasn't good enough, and the Nuggets made more of their shots when they mattered, and the Blazers blew this game in the first five minutes of the... Excuse me, the final five minutes of the first quarter. Like that, that's it. That that's where that's where this game changes. So in in brief, what what does needs to go right in game four? One, coaching staff, don't don't screw this up. Like you saw it, and I, I in a way, Stotts basically said he gets it and he knows the deal. Like he's like, I hadn't thought about not playing country yet. Hell, that that shit is racking your brain, Terry. <laughs> it is eating away at you, those the terrible five minute stretch from Cantor. And then when you went back to him in the third quarter inexplicably, inexplicably, I mean just just a freaking nightmare night for him. Um But so you the coaching staff needs to figure that out, right? Step one, coaching staff figures it out. Step two. Uh, you need, you need to have about on balance at the lines, about on balance at the free throw line out of your control, about on balance at the three point line out of your control. I think people think like three point defense is like, um, you know, I think the like, I think there's a perception that like uh, the Blazers like don't guard threes or whatever. And they're a bad defensive team. They can, but for the most part in this game, I felt like they had, they were decent, um, defending threes, except for they were a little bit slow on bigs at the top of the key. Jokic, Jamichael Green, Paul Millsap all got slow-looking, easy pull-up threes top of the key. And a couple times in transition, they would get lose guys in the corners. But for the most part, like they weren't they weren't like horrific guarding threes. I think that's kind of a myth. And I think Kevin Pelton has convinced me that three-point defense is mostly random. And so it's like a weird thing to point to, even though it's an obvious thing to point to. So they need better luck. Like they need better luck on their side. And then they need their their second best player or we're, we're I don't know. They're, they need CJ McCollum to be really good. Like, uh, I think the free throw line will likely even out just by virtue of of how these things kind of work in the NBA. If it doesn't, maybe we'll do a whole show about how the how the Blazers are are extremely cursed and got a terrible whistle. I think they got an unlucky whistle, but I also think they committed a bunch of stupid fouls, and that led to the Nuggets when they did get some cheap foul calls already being in the bonus and getting a bunch of free throws. Uh, Blazers tried to be physical to come back down the stretch, and they got they got some bummer whistles and the Nuggets didn't. Also, the Nuggets just made a couple more timely shots. If Austin Rivers shots rim out, I don't know, you know, maybe you end up pointing to the free throw line, but you probably don't because the Blazers would have, you know, had had multiple chances to take the lead there if he doesn't can those threes, but he does. Uh, They're big shots. It's kind of how the league works. CJ... You know, lucky at the lucky at the lines or luckier at the lines. Have things balance back out. Let's not go lucky. Let's say have things balance back out of the lines. Free throw and three point line. CJ's better. Coaching staff doesn't screw up the center rotation. You do those things, you have a chance. I don't think, like I think it's pretty clear through three games of the series that the Nuggets are a little better. I don't think they're a lot better, but I think they're a little better. And the Blazers can get back by you know putting better putting better combinations on the court and having CJ really find a rhythm, have CJ have a big night. Like that's, that's it. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as like, you got to play a little bit better. There's a bunch of subtle adjustments too. Uh, and I think we saw the Blazers make some of them, uh, the timely double teams that I had mentioned that maybe Robert Covington could have. He had some timely double teams on Nikola Jokic that I thought worked out little stuff like that. Uh, Norman Powell be, you know, uh, 
be more aggressive downhill, but the Blazers found him in the corners. They were abandoning Norman Powell in the corners in, in games one and two. They found him in the corner in game three. Keep looking there. Norm's going to be open in the corners. He can he can make those shots. I swear. He used to be money on those. Uh, he just he just hasn't been in this in this Blazers uniform. Some of those subtle little adjustments I think they're hitting on. It's just the big ones now. If a coaching staff gets it right and CJ gets it right, I think the Blazers have a chance to win game four because while the Nuggets have showed that they're probably a better team, they're not so wholly better that a hot shooting night from CJ couldn't shift the series back and the Blazers get a big win. Blazers play Saturday matinee game here in Portland, 1 p.m., an afternoon game, uh, game four, just a massive game, a game that will... Could you know if if the five minutes of the first quarter may have defined what's next for the the Blazers, like it may have pushed them towards the brink. This is it. This is the brink. If they lose this game, the series is probably over. You're not coming back from a three-one deficit. If they win this game, it's a toss-up. We're talking two-two, a three-game series to decide it, including one more game at the Moda Center. So. It should be a ton of fun. I am looking forward to it. I hope you are too. I'll have a podcast for you after that one. Check your feeds. Won't have to wait till Monday. It'll either be in there Saturday evening, like after the game, or look for it first thing on Sunday morning. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can listen to it, find it, get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.